Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey there, haters, debaters, and masturbating baconators. This is Billy Persida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, 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 welcome to the show if you're new, and whew, welcome back if you're not. I am your host, comedian Billy Persida. Uh, if this is your first time here, uh, well, this is a podcast where I talk to women I've hooked up with about sex and dating and love and gender and why we didn't work out. However, uh, this week's special guest is not one of my former flames. No, it is fellow comedian and former plus-size model, Sarah Hartsorn. And I can't wait to tell you more about her in a bit. But first, uh, this Sunday, October 30th, I will be at Lovecraft Bar on the Lower East Side at 10 p.m. I'll be doing Comedy Fight Club. Yes, I, I will be roast battling a fat, ugly Russian with a pill problem. It's going to be a good time. Come on out. Have a drink with me beforehand. Um, here's something, I don't know how cool or not it is, but it's interesting. Last week, I maybe facetiously, uh, said, hey, if you're a Trump supporter and you listen to this podcast, that's kind of funky. Why don't you shoot me an email? And I got emails. Yeah. Uh, the first one I want to address is not from a Trump supporter. Uh, although he did want to make sure I knew that he's not a Hillary voter. And as someone in a swing state, he uh, we just call that a passive-aggressive Trump vote. Yes, uh, but it's not the the, the anti-Hillary stance that he said that bothered me. His email really kind of troubled me. And and we first like exchanged an email or two, just how like he's anti-Hillary. He's also very pro-gun. How he's progressive. He's for sex education, for gay rights. He's for he's pro-choice. He's all the good things socially at least uh on a policy standpoint but he said this one thing to me uh he he had an issue with the way i speak about certain parts of the country i don't really think i rip on middle america other than your voting history right i don't know so this is this is the way he says this is the part of an email that really bothered me he says um it just seems that at times you dog middle America as, uh, well, you know, it's weird. I don't know if, which accent to read this in because it's not from the South. He's from Michigan. So I guess it, it would be like, oh, it just seems that at times you dog middle America as dumb inbred hicks, don't you know? I mean, I don't know if that's Canadian or Minnesota or what, but uh, I'll do it. I'll read it as a person. Okay. It just seems that at times you dog middle America as dumb inbred hicks. I understand where people get that as I grew up in a village where there was a bring your tractor to school day. Uh, I have people I begrudgingly call friends who I have to walk away from when the, when they start talking about shipping all the fags to an island and nuking it. Their problem is largely that they don't know any open fags, quote unquote, and their dads hit them too much. I think that is what leads me to be a little sensitive when I hear liberals bashing them. I end up sticking up for both sides, and I'm lost in the middle. As a small-town kid, I didn't meet the first openly gay person until college. My RA in college was a six-foot-four, rail-skinny black man. I honestly only knew a couple of black people to give you a good idea of my town. His first words to me were, Boy, I would eat you up. You would be so lost in pleasure. I was terrified, 
but I got over it and he was actually pretty cool. And, uh, and that bothered me a lot. This is what, this is what I wrote back to. I said, Hey, Matt, your job as a good dude is not to walk away when they talk about nuking homo Island. Your, your job is to stand up and say something. I mean, I what the fuck, man? Come on. You, that, that's such a bitch move. To just be like, I'm just going to shy away when I'm uncomfortable, when my friends are being shitheads. Look, it's not easy. It's rarely cool. But dude, it's what you got to do to make a difference. I'm assuming you're a heterosexual, right? I'm pretty sure. And uh, I got to say, we've got it pretty easy as straight white guys. You know, We, we have it so easy. The worst stigma against us is that we have it too good. That's phenomenal. Remember that Louis C.K. bit? It's like... You can't even hurt my feelings. Oh, cracker. Oh, ruined Monday. Like, you know, we have it real good. The least you can do as a man is like, be a fucking man. Like, that's not being a man. Being a fucking homophobe, misogynist. That's not uh, the the quote-unquote locker room talk, which isn't really locker room talk because, like, no one ever talked about raping bitches in the locker room. I was in locker rooms for a long time. That's that's not being a man. Standing up to them and for what's right, that's what fucking being a man is. I mean, listen to yourself, man. They're quote-unquote joking, right? Which, by the way, joking, that's not a joke. A joke has structure as a setup, as a punchline, as intense, sometimes as irony. Like what you're saying, they're saying, or even Trump's grabbing by the pussy. That's not a joke. I hate it when fucking like a congressman gets on TV and goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I was just joking. I was like, that's not what a joke is. Just say you said a shitty thing. You say they're joking about exterminating an entire group of fabulously well-dressed people. Look, if you truly think they're good guys, but we're just raised wrong, some pushback is the first of many pushes in the right direction. Don't be a fucking coward. Say something. How can you tell me not to bash your people for being homophobic rednecks with that? You know how many times I've heard send the gays to an island and nuke it in a lifetime living in the Northeast? Zero times. Oh, except when an older man with a southern draw was visiting a nearby casino. It's the only times I've heard that. An ally in spirit only is no ally at all. I did go on to tell him like uh, about my Hillary stuff. I was like, yeah, Hillary's ain't more anti-gun. But I told him, look, I long to be an undecided voter because the Republican Party has yet to offer me a presidential candidate who passes like my basic human decency test. You know, it's like it's like four things. Someone who doesn't like unarmed dead black men who doesn't legislate a woman's body, lets my gay friends do their thing and doesn't give a shit where a tranny pees. If if the pass that cool, let's talk guns. Let's talk foreign policy, healthcare, and the economy. Oh, no, you can't. You have a problem with those things. Well, then fuck off. Come back to me when you have a candidate who belongs in this century. I mean, I've said this before. I don't like Hillary. I'm, I'm not a Hillary guy, but she's only one of the two presidential candidates who doesn't have a sexual assault allegations against them. So what do you want me to do? You got to speak up. I mean, like you can't, don't be a fucking coward, man. You're the father to a son. If your son grows up to be a little homo, 
You're going to stand up for him, right? Is that that when you're going to stand up? That's when you're going to say some shit? That's when you're going to punch a dude in the face for acting incorrect? Well, why don't you get a head start on that? It shouldn't have to take having a gay son to have a fucking problem with that. You seem like a good guy, Matt. I I hope you do the right thing. Vote for Hillary or not, I don't care. At least you're not voting for Trump. That's a a good start. It's not about that. I'm more concerned about the first thing. What I was more concerned about was the guy who did email me who is voting for Trump. This is the email that blew my mind off. If you're following me on Twitter on Wednesday at the Billy Presida plug, uh, you would have seen quite the Twitter rant. Uh, this dude emails me, says, Hey, uh, this dude, uh, Todd emails me. Hey, Todd, you confuse me a lot. Okay. This dude, uh, Todd emails me, says, um, Hey, I signed up for your mailing list mostly because my debit card was confused about me trying to order a hot octopus pulse. So here's my second attempt to get one. Uh, okay. I have, uh, I've been a listener for about six, seven months and binged heavily. The first two to three months. Also, I am a Republican, so I will be voting for Trump, mostly due to his platform of being pro-life, which I call anti-choice. Hey, what, who, who are we saying here? And I was just like, huh? I was like, wait, what? This fucking dude, Todd, he goes on this uh, thing. He starts like championing, championing himself as like the cool, hip, sex is important in a committed marriage Christian, right? He gives me this... He gives me this like whole Christian, but like oddly talking about sex and clitorises spiel. Um, he's like talking about his church mentors, erotic Christian fan fiction, which, yeah, I don't know. Apparently some guy he looks up to writes, what, what is that erotic Christian fan fiction? What is that? Like when Emily finally kisses you with tongue or is it, or is it like when, like, is it like fucking her in the ass with a crucifix? Like like Fifty Shades of Christ's Blood. Like Secret Diaries of a Call Girl, the Mary Magdalene version. I what is that? So he's talking about this like this old this mentor and his church, like he's like his youth group's version of the creepy guidance counselor from Freaks and Geeks. I don't really understand what I'm supposed to interpret from this email, but it's like definitely weird. And and then he and then he, he delves into same sex marriage. He goes, as for the benefits of same-sex marriage, it does help with fostering and adoptions. It also helps with end-of-life and medical issues. However, it does not benefit society in terms of reducing sexual promiscuity. Yes, gay couples can get married, so that can reduce sexual promiscuity among those two individuals. But just like the straights, LGBTQIA positive, and hey, anyone who saw Pat Oswalt's recent special, this is what, I'm ta- this is what he was talking about. Just because you know the lingo and you know the buzzwords doesn't mean you're a good person. So don't jump on a guy for saying tranny if he's pro-tranny, right? Jump on the the shitbag who's using the the buzzwords to make a hateful point. Just saying. Anyways, but uh, just the LGP the the alphabet soup individuals are not born married and in a society that increasingly does not mind for casual sex. It leads to an increase in disease spreading, even with being safe and unexpected pregnancies which some can handle better than others, as well as a general sense of anything goes, which is detrimental to society. Case in point, Romans, he says. 
he cites the Romans as why uh, the, the gays are not necessarily the, mo- the healthiest people out there. I mean, I think, but like, what the fuck, you know, like that, I'm like, how am I reading? This is someone who listens to my show. They listen every week. This guy gives me, see, this is, here's some integrity, Matt. I hope you're listening because I might lose money from doing this because the guy is, he does pledge money on Patreon and will likely cancel it when he hears this intro. The dude goes on, uh, he goes on and on about like being anti-promiscuity, which again, I'm like, you listen to the man whore podcast. Like what in the actual fuck? Your, your logic makes no sense. Not that I expected logic from a healthy Christian. Not that I expected logic from a good Christian. But still, what in the actual fuck? On and on about anti-promiscuity. On and on about how that's bad. And then he tries to pull this whole, like, I support sex positivities within the boundaries of a marital relationship between two individuals. And hey, newsflash. If you're only sex positive about a committed relationship... You are not sex positive. He had a lot of like weird, like logical paradoxes. Like I, I didn't understand what he was saying. Like he's, he goes, um, I strongly concur with you and Dan Savage that there is a dearth of community. Just cause you use dearth doesn't make you smart. Okay. Stop it. <laughs> That there is a dearth of communication among sexual partners of any stripe and that the church has a role in that lack. So I think he's saying the church is why uh, a lot of people won't talk about sex. However, it has been my experience that church and church people are the individuals who have the better grasp on sexual unity and engagement and education. No, you don't. It's literally, literally in the old usage of literally, not the new fucked up millennial usage of lit. It literally is the church. Who is why we don't have comprehensive sex ed in school It is only the church is only the Christian faith that actively pours money into putting abstinence only education in schools. So you're so fucking wrong. What was most? And by the way, this guy who's like all sexual promiscuity, by the way, he emails me in part so that he can potentially win a free sex toy. Like, dude, you can't have it both ways. I, th- I think what was um, I think what was most most enraging was when he goes, uh, "Sex is fun. Sex is great. Sex is fulfilling. Sex is intimacy. But sex has to be used in a responsible manner and with attention to detail and a mind towards the repercussions. Sex has to be used in a manner to bring improvement to the lives of both parties involved. And from what I have heard after hours of listening to podcasts and hours of reading, sex used within marriage brings contentment. Sex used outside of marriage brings a sense of never being satisfied. Fuck you, Todd. Fuck you. You're 24 years old. How can you be this? How can you be this crazy? already you're only 24 but you're in arkansas and that's and see see matt i like i'm just talking to two listeners right now specific matt this is why i rip on certain parts of the country when arkansas is like at the bottom of the education standards this is what we fucking get and so i'm going to make fun of arkansas for being a bunch of idiots until i stop reading emails like this from arkansas todd you're no different than like some other bigot 
be he homophobe or anti-Semite, you're being accepting of other lifestyles so long as they overlap with your lifestyle. That's not being accepting. You are not sex positive. That is a fact. Just because you listen to Dan Savage and me and other slutty shows doesn't make you this like cool sex. I like, look, I'm glad you're talking to, like within your, your Christian community about sex. I think that's good. There needs to be more of that, dude. But this whole like delusion you have that you are this open sexual person is fucking wrong. Like, yes, sex can help and bond and strengthen marriages. That's great. But you know what? Sex doesn't only have to be in a marriage. Now, some could say like, Billy, uh, wouldn't you say you're doing the same thing? I'm like, yeah, damn right I am. I look down on anyone trying to force me into their opinion of acceptable sexuality. All right? You don't have to like it. Just keep your fucking lawmakers out of my pants. Where have my queer and women friends' pants? Let's be honest. It's not really affecting me too much, but... Oh, uh, but everyone, hey, don't worry, because, you know, he does support having a sex toy section in Walmart. So, well, at least we uh, have his permission to buy butt plugs and wholesale diapers in one store. That's awfully nice of him. Fucking cuckoo pants. Oh, man. Whew, I'm tired, guys. I'm, I'm already tired. Uh, we have a great show this week. I'm very excited about it, but I was, I was so baffled with those emails. Before we get to our, our guest this week, Sarah Hartzorn, who, again, is super hilarious, and it's a great episode. Uh, I do have a public service announcement for all my California fan whores. You got to get out to the poll. You got to get out and vote. I know Trump's not going to win California, but there is a dangerous ballot measure this year that you need to go vote on, and I need you to go vote no on Prop 60. It affects all of our friends in the porn industry. And here to tell us about Prop 60 is porn star and penthouse pet Chanel Preston as well as sex worker activist and porn performer Susie Q, who, uh, who also hosts a fabulous show called The Whorecast, which you should all check out. That's uh, Whorecast, one word. Uh, let's hear what they have to say about Prop 60. Hi, my name is Chanel Preston. I am an adult film performer and the chairperson of the Adult Performer Advocacy Committee, a nonprofit organization that works towards protecting the rights, health, and safety of adult film performers. Proposition 60 is under the guise of a condom mandate that is meant to keep performers in the adult film industry safe. However, Prop 60 will actually put performers at greater risk. There is a reason why the California Democratic and Republican Party oppose Prop 60, as well as the San Francisco Medical Society, AIDS Project LA, San Francisco AIDS Foundation, and many other health and civil rights organizations. Proposition 60 gives any resident of California the right to sue if they see a condom not being used in an adult film. This lawsuit would also award 25% of the fine to the plaintiff, which could result in profiteering. This also would open performers up to frivolous lawsuits that could cost tens of thousands of dollars for them to protect, protect themselves in court. This whistleblower component of Prop 60 would also leave performers vulnerable to stalkers and anti-porn groups looking for ways to hurt performers and the industry overall. Because the adult film industry is so subject to stigma and harassment, applying a whistleblower clause to the industry will put the workers in the adult industry in danger. The lawsuits will also allow individuals to gain access to performers' personal information, such as real names and home addresses. Proposition 60 also names the proponent of Prop 60, Michael Weinstein of AIDS Healthcare Foundation, as an agent of the state whose job will be to enforce this law. 
your tax dollars will go towards paying his salary and ensuring performers are wearing condoms. Performers care more about their health and safety than anyone else, and they are fighting against Prop 60 because it will not reduce the rate of STIs in the adult industry, and Prop 60 will not keep performers safe. Michael Weinstein has excluded the voices of performers. He has ignored repeated attempts to engage with him about safety in the adult film industry and shamed performers by calling them a public health risk. Michael Weinstein's efforts to protect performers is misguided and ineffective and will cost the state millions of dollars and place a marginalized community at risk. Vote no on Prop 60. For more information, please visit StopProp60.com. Hello, podcast listeners. It is Susie Q, uh, the host and creator of the Horecast podcast. I am also now the director of policy and industry relations at the Free Speech Coalition, which is the trade association of the adult industry, which means that for the past six months to a year, I've been hard at work um, fighting Proposition 60 here in California. Um, the No Prop 60 campaign has really consumed my life. I'm currently at my girlfriend's house working on No Prop 60 articles and recording this podcast spot for you guys um, instead of making sweet, sweet love to her. Um, so Prop 60 has affected my life already a great deal. Uh, however, if it passes, um, it will affect my life in a much more devastating fashion. Um, if Prop 60 passes, any resident of California will be able to sue someone like myself um, and gain access to my legal name, my home address, and receive 25% of the settlement. So we're actually talking about incentivized harassment of an already marginalized workforce. I mean, sex workers already have it pretty rough, right? I mean, we get evicted from our apartments. Um, you know, sometimes people's children are taken away because of the job that they do. Um, even a legal job like, you know, performing as a webcam model, uh, being a porn performer. Uh, I don't want to play the hierarchy here, you know, every type of sex work, I think, uh, you know, should have the same rights. Every sex worker should have the same rights as every other American. Um, but Prop 60 will really criminalize a, uh, a workforce that already faces immense discrimination and stigma. Um, <clears throat> so it can't, it can't pass. It really can't. Um, I kind of refuse to accept any other reality. I've poured my blood, sweat, and tears into this campaign. So many tears. So many tears. And um, if it passes, I know a lot of people, including myself, are, are really scared about what could happen. Um, the people who drafted this legislation have a long history of targeting adult film performers um, who have a financial interest in their um, content. You know, people who are making their own content, uh, you know, producing and distributing their own content, all the ways in which performers have been able to take back their own power and, you know, own the means of distribution and own the means of production. That all makes us liable now under Prop 60. And it's just so frustrating that an organization that claims to be trying to help 
a performer population won't won't listen to the performers themselves. Again and again, adult performers have tried to meet with the AIDS Healthcare Foundation and Michael Weinstein, the proponents of Prop 60, the people who put it on the ballot. We've asked to sit down and have a real conversation about what they could do to, you know, help keep our workers safe. And they refused to meet with us time and time again. Even when we showed up on their doorstep on October 17th, 250 adult film performers and allies showed up to ask Michael Weinstein to have a real conversation with us about why Prop 60 will not do what it says it wants to do, which is keep workers safe. It will actually do the exact opposite. It's introducing protocols that are less safe than what is already in place. Already our testing protocols that we have developed, sets that use those protocols have not seen a transmission of HIV in 12 years. Meanwhile, during that 12 years, we've seen close to 600,000 transmissions in the general population. So where is this organization's priorities, really? Why won't they talk to performers like myself? I hope that California asks those questions and I hope that they vote no on November 8th to protect my life, to protect all the workers in California that will be affected and, you know, really say that this type of harassment is not a California value, deputizing every resident to come after their neighbor to get a bounty for filing a lawsuit. That's just not how we do things here. That's not what the state is about. That's not what this country is about. And it has to be stopped. So please tell everyone you know, vote no on Prop 60. We can't do this alone. We're a very small population. There's only about 1,800 adult film performers working at any given time. We are a minority within a minority. And we need you to tell everyone you know that on November 8th, California needs to vote no on Proposition 60. Thanks for listening, guys. You can find out more at stop60.com. You can follow Vote No Prop 60 on Twitter. Uh, you can find me always at thewhorecast.com, Susie Q. James on Twitter. I also run the FSC Army uh, Free Speech Coalition Twitter as well. So get involved. Thank you for listening and vote no on Prop 60. See you guys soon. Bye. Okay, now say it again. What are we voting? No on Prop 60. It may look good in a log line. When you look at the details of that proposed law, it is no bueno for porn performers or the state of California. Now for our guest. Okay, uh, let's, let's get lighthearted. Let's get fun. Yeah, Sarah Hartshorn is a stand-up comedian here in New York City. Uh, she used to be a plus-size model. And she was also on the, uh, the hit TV show America's Next Top Model. No big deal. And uh, we, we had a wonderful episode. We, talk, we discussed body image and dieting and the eating disorders. But we also uh, had a lot of fun talking about safe spaces and uh, queerness and marriage, love. We finally got to talk about love stuff. I was so excited because, you know, I'm in a, I have a girlfriend now and like sometimes I think about the L word. So, you know, I wanted to ask people about it. So I hope you all enjoy um, Sarah's episode. It's really fun. Check her out on the interwebs um, at Sarah Hartshorn. She spells it at the end of the episode. And uh, it's in the show notes. So let's just get, look, I've been talking. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Me plus Sarah Hartshorn now.
That's right. I also, I feel that very strongly. I did Atkins my freshman year of college and I ate a lot of hot dogs by themselves from right? 7-Eleven. But you have to hold them in something. Yeah. So I'm just like, I use the bun just as the, uh, purely as See, a holder. I could never do that though because I would just, it's, I can't get carbs that near my face and not eat them. Uh, <laughs> do, do you want to know how sad I got? Yeah. Was that I ended up when I was feeling super tempted uh, I was, I started, I would like put the bun like on my, like I would like lick the bun a little bit God, just to like savor the bread. I honestly, I can't <laughs> even have it in the house. Like I can't even, yeah, if I, like I, if I bring popcorn, the only like snack, s- salty snack food that I will bring into the house is popcorn because if I eat the whole bag, it's not terrible. Popcorn is a, a brilliant snack for all that oh, because you can God. have like five cups and it's yeah. like 200 calories and you're like, oh, this is great. I like, I, I, I'm about it. I love like popcorn and red wine is my Olivia Pope dinner and it's my favorite. Like I try, <laughs> want to be, I, I like I eat pretty healthy save for just every once in a while. Like I got to go to town on a real weird dinner like popcorn and wine. Um, oh God, I love popcorn. <laughs> I, I can't imagine the type of dieting you had to do with, with modeling. Well, I was plus size. Yes, and that's still blo- like I I hesitate. So I I hesitate to even say plus size in introducing you because I look I looked at the pictures. I'm like, how is this plus size? Yeah, it's confusing because uh, this is normal lady. Yeah, and also plus size model and plus size woman are not right. the same thing. It's interesting because I am bigger now than when I modeled a little bit, um, not a lot, but uh, you know, I started as an eight an eight ten, and now I'm like a twelve. Mm. Um, and so now I actually, I'm at like a 12, 14. So now I actually. What size is the one Donald Trump doesn't like? Oh, I don't like, know. I have no sense of what size is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I can tell you Marla Maples is probably a zero or two. Ugh. That's all I know. Um, but also she's short, you know, like models are really tall. I think we, yeah, I, I say this a lot, but like we have as a, as a culture and particularly as a country, I think we've really been desensitized to how thin celebrities are we don't it doesn't register anymore that they are extremely thin especially models like i was i was talking at a school about body image and about advertising and about um sort of how how people in advertising want people to think and how it you know how their mind you know are are being um sort of directed to certain things. And I was talking to these kids and they were like, right, but models didn't used to be so skinny. Like Cindy Crawford isn't so skinny. And I was like, I've met Cindy Crawford. She is so thin. She's such a, if when you meet her in person, she's a very skinny person. Um, and we just don't, unless somebody looks sick, we, a lot of times we don't process them as thin because it is such the norm in advertising and in fashion and in entertainment. Like we've become to, ex- we've, we've come to accept underweight as normal but she's not totally wrong because if you go back far enough yes then the models were bigger you look at no that is true nice old black and whites no totally it's it's true that they are um like uh thinner now for sure and that is due to a, a million reasons one of which is like the commercialization of fa- of high fashion it used to be that designers would create custom looks for all the models in their shows now they can't do that because fashion is a lot more accessible there's a lot more of it a lot more people are buying couture so they really need need clothes hangers basically for models they can't make it custom you know so it's like they need somebody on whom the clothes will just literally just hang. So that's why models are so thin. It has nothing to do with any, like, no, it's not a nefarious attempt to make 
fashion thinner. It's it's a practicality issue. The result is like a you know there is a negative mental result, but it it's a purely financial change. Um, but it's true that they used to be um, like heavier. But it's I just think it's important to like acknowledge that that we've always had ideals and we've always had these standards that we hold women to. And I think by saying like, Oh, it's only since like 1980 that women, the models have been so thin. We're like, yeah, all the problems started in 1980. No one ever had eating disorders before then. Up until then. Yeah. And so I think it's important to be like, we have had these standards and it is, it is connected to our desire to make women fit into a tiny box. Either literally physically tiny or in, you know, it is restrictive in some other way, you know, and like, and I'm not saying that it's bad to have ideals or bad to think that people are beautiful or attractive or bad to write, like have preferences in how people look or how you look. I just think it's, it's important to acknowledge like sort of the, the depth and breadth of, of the ways in which we tell women how to look and people how to look how we tell everyone how to look um but yeah so that was a tangent <laughs> well i, I mean with how that, we got here <laughs> i mean with that wonderful uh, introductory tangent uh, sure. i'm here with stand-up comedian and uh former plus-size model sarah hartshorn did i say that right hartshorn yeah, not hartshorn yeah hartshorn it's the horn of a male deer a heart is a male deer oh okay and hartshorn is a plant yeah. uh, a british plant that looks like a, a deer it's also um there was a, uh, a, I don't know what you call it. I'm brain farting right now, but it's like a, um, a old wives' tale in England and Scotland that if your wife cheated on you, you would grow the horns of a heart. It's in like a Shakespeare play. It's in As okay. You Like It, and it was this funny little myth that like you could tell that your wife was. Che- and I think a woman invented that. She was like, "No, I'm not cheating on you. You don't you have the horn. You didn't grow the horns. You would have grown the horns." Yeah. So obviously I'm not fucking the butcher. Come on, that's science. Yeah, uh, that's just science. You don't have the horns on your head, um, which I think is a great myth. <laughs> like, um, yeah, and I don't know why only men. I think I, I think only men. Actually, I'm not 100 percent sure. Hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's it. There's like a song about it, and as you like it. <laughs> well, you're also a former America's Next Top Model contestant, correct? Yes. Yep. I was on. That's how I got my start um, in modeling. That's that was how I was. Well, you totally started introduced. on the show. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I. It's funny. I. It's not like like last comic standing where you have comics who've been doing it twenty years and they say here the here's the fresh new faces. The fresh new face. No, I was I was a real <laughs> fresh face. Uh, very fresh. Um, and it's funny. I was actually known for taking terrible candid photos, and it only got worse after the show because all of a sudden there was like all this pressure where it's like you look good in photos, and I was like, oh god, I do, and so my face always looked pained. Um, no, I I was not one of those girls where people said like, oh my god, you should be a model. It was not part of how I viewed myself at all growing up because I got boobs really young. I got real, I got, you know, curvy. I was too, I was like visibly not a model, like very young. So it was not um, a thing that people said. Um, But a friend of mine was trying out for the show and I went with her. And it's funny because that makes it sound like I was so humble and so modest and like hated the way I looked. But so I was like in line with her. She was about to try out and the like PA or whatever who's at the head of the line is like, hey, you should try out. And I was like, OK, let's do this. <laughs> like, I got this. I'm in. We're, we're doing this. Like, where is the camera? Um, like the second they suggested, it, I was like, yep, that sounds about right. Um, so I uh, 
I did. I tried out and then I got on. It was crazy. Um, Is part of that like, was there a little bit of a, like a fuck you to anyone who gave you shit in high school? Um, like, at least in your not, head? I mean, a little bit. It was more college because my high school was like tiny and artsy. And but it was a little bit like because I, I was definitely not the hot girl in high school. Um, I was not like the one that everyone had a crush on. I felt like nobody ever had a crush on me. I did have boyfriends, but it was like, you know, at, like it was a tiny little artsy high yeah. school. Like think back to like your theater kids and a whole school of that fucking everyone's making out all the time. And also it's high school. So, um, so yeah, a little bit because, um, but also like. It was mostly just surreal. It was just so weird because um, I was from a town of 700 people, you know, and then like my graduating class with 13 Where, people. 700 people? Massachusetts. Okay. Real small. Um, there's a lot more sheep than humans. That's not true. Cows. There's a lot more cows I than mean, humans. I mean, I, I went to high boarding school half hour south of Worcester, like next to Sturbridge. So like oh, okay. that was the cow country as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So do you, you know where like Northampton is? Yeah, I'm like an hour north of there. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was the town on the Vermont border, like it's us and then yeah. Vermont, um, and yeah, so sort of. And then in college, like I don't know, I was I decided that I was like going to be a smart academic person. I was like I'm going to do it, and so I for some reason in my head like that person can't dress well, so like I dress like a schlub, <laughs> unless I was like going out on the weekends to get shit faced and fucked like, when when did the the hair come in oh to the, so to the equation um, of i'm gonna be a so, academic uh dear viewers um you can't tell i mean dear listeners you can't <laughs> tell but i have blue hair uh really really blue hair uh that was actually to get out of modeling i was like i was ready to be done i gave my agency a heads up i was like fyi i'm gonna stop modeling um and they were like, okay, whatever. Like they kind of didn't believe me. And I was like, no, for real season. But I was still going on castings. I was still doing jobs. So they were kind of like, this isn't real. And I was like, but FYI, I am going to dye my hair. But you're like it's sabotaging yourself so you don't get. Yeah. And now, fun fact, my agency has a clause when they sign models that they're not allowed to change their hair without it's, consulting. It's the heart sworn clause. The heart sworn clause. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that sort of exists beforehand because when you sign with an agency, they sit you down and they're like, you're going to go to this salon. You're going to do this to your hair. You're going to meet with these photographers. And then, right. So like there is a decision. You have a hair meeting with right. an agent when you sign. And I had that hair. Do meeting. they have that for like body stuff? They say you kind of got to, do they hint like, if could you just stay mm. within a range? If you're a fit model, very mm. much so. If you right. sign on as a, and a fit model, um, there's fitness models and those are like muscle models, oh, yeah. like where you model your six pack, but then there's fit models. And what fit modeling is, is when you work with designers, to be their, like their standard for a size. So mm. if you are a size eight, you you can't have a food baby. You can't go up a half an inch. Yeah. You have to stay re like they are really regimented. Fit models work very very hard. I did I did some fit models. Can that be in a contract? Be like you need to stay this size. Oh yeah yeah. If you sign like, on as a fit model. So... Well the, the thing about fit models is they're not. Some of them are also regular models, but most of them are shorter. You have to be about like five eight is the ideal height. Mm -hmm. It's very and it's not. Um, it's a different industry. It really is. Like it's some of them are also like, you know, um, do other other modeling but um it's it's different uh and then with regular model i mean i don't know what it's like with straight size models but straight size models are, are size zero double zero to four um high fashion is double zero to two and then catalog is like two four um 
to me as a straight man, those are just numbers. You just I know. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to like come up with yeah. vision. I mean, but like you know for what me, runway just, models look like. That, so were there looser parameters for you as a plus size model? Yes, definitely. There's and it's interesting They'd because be like, you can have this cake. Oh, totally. <laughs> so it, it's interesting because like when I started, I was like a size eight and a size ten, and everyone was like, "You're too small. You're not going to work." And I was like, "Okay." Everywhere I went, agents said it, and but then they signed me, and then clients would say it, but then they hired me, and I was like, "Clearly not." Like clearly, yeah. and they were like, "Right." but we prefer to work with girls that are like 10, 12. And I was like, okay, but like, you're still working with me. So, um, and so there was this weird, like maybe you should gain weight thing, but I was working a lot. So I just didn't. And then I did, I gained a little weight and I worked the same amount. Um, and I was like a 10, 12. So there's um, this like no man's land or no woman's land in between like the, the normal models and plus size models. Yeah. Where it's if you're like, a size you have to either six or lose an eight. Yeah. I don't gain. know. Yeah. It would be, it, it, it's hard. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, there is a lot of commercial stuff you can do. I mean, there's Man. stuff you can do. But yeah, in terms of like working for designers and brands and stuff. How um, was your body image like before going into modeling? Like, were you did you have like a healthy relationship with yourself like that? I don't know. It's interesting because when you work as a model, like your body is your job. And I think, you know, people people have different outlooks about it. And some people respond in very different ways. For some people, it really helps them because it really helps them connect with their body, right? Mm -hmm. Like it is their fuel, right? Like food is their fuel. And also like that fuel is just really directly related to the money that they make, right? Yeah. It's all very connected. For me, it helped me disconnect in a lot of ways, which was not super healthy. But it did mean that like I wasn't I didn't feel fat or terrible. I would just sort of be like, well, this is I was sort of removed from it emotionally and very disconnected. I have PTSD. So that was not great because I disconnected in a lot of ways and I had a lot of repressed memories and I would have disassociative episodes. And so like that was not great. But, you know, um, but it did mean that I, I was out of that cycle of being like, oh, my God, you're the worst. You're so disgusting. You're so fat. Right. It was it was a good way to kind of break myself out of that. So but you had that before going into modeling. I mean, yes, but I don't know if I did any more than any American woman. It's really hard to know because I had such a because I did when I was 20. I ended up on this show where yeah. all of a sudden everyone was picking me apart and I kind of had to deal with that. So it's like that really skewed my like working in an industry where body is everything kind of skewed my feelings about it because like I was like, no, I'm not dealing with what a lot of these straight size models are dealing with where either they have an eating disorder or like you know, half the time they feel heavy when they're at work. And then when they go into the real world or when they're with their family or friends, everyone's talking about how they're too thin. And that, mm -hmm. like, I really, because even if you don't have an eating disorder, if you're a straight size model, you get shamed a lot for your body. And then, like, I, I don't think you have sides. to be a model to get shamed for I mean, your body. I mean, no, that's true. But it is very weird to constantly be told, like, you're too thin, you're too fat, you're too thin, you're too fat. It's this weird thing. Um, and that's true. No, you're that like, does, what are we, online dating? Come on now. Yeah, Stop. no, that does happen to everybody. Uh, as I say it out loud, I'm like, no, that's not that sounds what it's like to be a woman. That's fair. I mean, as a teenager, I don't know. I had so many other issues going on that mm -hmm. I think I did. I kind of I, I kind of dodged a bullet in terms of body image. I did well, have... you just never think of, like, the modeling industry as helping you not like have an eating disorder because like, we yeah. always, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you never yeah, think yeah. of it as helping a body image. Yeah. And I mean now and at, towards the end of my modeling career, I did find people who were great and really body positive and just, 
you know, really on the forefront of the movement to increase body diversity in fashion. And I'm working on a film called Straight Curve. Everyone should go check it out. Shameless plug. But like it's called Straight Curve. It's Straight Curve film on social media. And they're doing some really amazing um, uh, social media uh, activism and also in person activism and in school activism. And they're great. And so uh, towards the end, yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. found a great community and started building it. I mean, you know, it's weird because like there was a time when I was like 14 and I stopped eating and I was losing a lot of weight, but it definitely was more in terms of things I could control. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did get very, very thin and it was dangerous. And, you know, I was going to doctors and they were trying to figure out if it was mental or physical, but I just, you know, and it, it felt to me at the time. Just like I wasn't hungry, like it just was just lost like my a appetite. reaction to trauma. It, yeah, it, looking back now, I know at the time I was just like, I don't know, I'm not hungry, I'm not trying to lose weight. But it was hard because I felt really guilty because I loved losing weight. I was like really glad. Oh, isn't that I was. it awesome? Like yeah. you get on that scale and you're like, oh, I down another two pounds. Yeah. Aren't I awesome? Yeah, and and but, it's just because I'm like sick and I know that I'm not like I'm not healthy and I know that. But like it's I and I was still rewarded for it in these weird ways. You know, like when I would go around, people would be like, oh my god, you're so beautiful. Like oh my god, it was it was like definitely the highest cat call period of my life. But I think at least with like teenage girls, if, if a teenage girl loses weight too quickly, people. Like it, some people might get concerned. Yeah. With me, I dropped like 40 pounds in, I think, three months. But Oof. no one from just like basically fasting whenever I wanted. Yeah. And, but because I was a dude, I was like 15 year old boy who was chubby. Like, right. it's not like I didn't have weight to lose. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. So people were just like, oh, dude, that's great. You're losing weight. Yeah. Like, and I was so reaching out for help. I would tell people, like, yeah, like, what are you doing? I was like, yeah, you know, just, I just will starve myself for like two to three days at a time. And they were like, yeah, good for you. That I'm sounds like, great. You're like, oh. no, you're supposed to help me now. This is how. Yeah. It's supposed to go. Yeah. And it is funny because even when you are that age, you do know when you say that, you're like, no, no. I need someone to respond to I need someone because I will not stop this on my yeah, own. Yeah. Yeah. And I was really lucky because I did have people who were, you know, because I spent, yeah, it is interesting because with guys, we don't assume that it's an eating disorder. And I so. wasn't even a wrestler, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, there's no weight class thing. And then also, like with girls, we immediately assume that it is. And I think taking an approach that it sort of, is like I am open to whatever's happening with mm. you. I was really lucky that people did that because I wasn't trying. I it was not a conscious thing. It was not. It was disordered eating. It wasn't an eating disorder. I really was. Mm. I had no appetite because I was disconnected from my mm-hmm. body because I had been traumatized. Like that really is what happened, and so I didn't get the help that I needed. Right. But I didn't get help that I didn't need. You know, I didn't. They didn't like. Um, uh. Like it wasn't an eating disorder. And I think if I'd been treated for that, it would have been it wouldn't have been helpful. It would have been harmful. Um, But uh, yeah, it is interesting to look back and be like, oh, yeah, that's that's what was happening there. It was uh, like I just didn't feel hunger because I didn't feel anything. Right. Um, Which sounds so emo. Uh, But (laughs) but it was like. case isn't helped with that hair. I know. I know. Theater school, that haircut. Come on now. Yeah. Um, Hippie theater. Yeah. Yeah. but it is one of those things like looking, you know, when I talk to teenagers now or when I, you know, communicate with them online or whatever, it's like, let let yourself be open to whatever is is happening, because I think it's it's really easy to when you are a teenage girl to be like, well, it's an eating disorder or when you're a teenage boy to overlook that. Right. And you don't open yourself up to that possibility because everyone's like, no, no, no you're fine. You're fine. Or they're telling. Right. Like, even if if. 
Yeah, just look for gray areas. Look for what's re- what you're really feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, go beyond the obvious because yeah, people are complicated. Um, and teenage teenage <laughs> years are, are are complicated times. Um, how how else were they so complicated for you in a artsy school? In an artsy school, um, where everyone's just basically experimenting with everybody. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's interesting though, because it was, we were so liberal. It's weird now. I'm so lucky because we, we are, we're, we were so liberal, um, and so accepting, but still like I went back recently and I was like, oh my God, you guys are so much more progressive and you've come so much farther, right? Like we were very liberal, but there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot, there weren't a lot of anything. There were a hundred of us, but (laughs) there were several, um, trans students who felt like they couldn't talk about their experiences and they when you really, went really back. struggled. Yeah. Uh, okay. Or that I know now that have since transitioned okay. and have since, um, you well, know. I feel like when we were in high school, it was more about like, you know, gay and bi people. Right. And, and now it's, I think, trans. But even the then, thing. like, even, you know, even in the, it's crazy for me to think about what it is like for gay teenagers in conservative parts of the country because even in a tiny, artsy, hippie, crazy accepted school, a lot of gay kids didn't come out until afterwards. They didn't, mm. and they didn't talk about. They didn't feel safe, um, and that is. It just shows me how far we have to go to mm. create safe spaces for these kids. And people get so uppity about the phrase "safe spaces," and I'm like, well, that's because you're safe all the time, and fuck you. Like, I'm sorry that the world <laughs> is nice to you, but that's not true for everyone. Um, and some people need. Uh, we need to work on it. We need to. We need to be better for them. And I'm sorry that that's an inconvenience to you, but maybe you should um, try sucking a dick real quick. Just like, well, real quick, suck a dick and die. You know, just something to think about. For me, it's not an inconvenience. I think it, it becomes annoyance not in what you just described, but when things. Things go too far when, say, like colleges are confusing the reality of safety with the f- sense of safety, and they use the same term "safe space." So then we equate this annoying nonsense po- safe space talk with the what I think is way more valid. Like, hey, it needs to be safe to like go. Like that guidance counselor's office should be a safe space to be able to go and right, whatever, you know, whatever. right. Or I mean, ideally, the whole school is or but, where you know no, I mean? but yeah. even just starting with a guidance counselor's office or whatever it is, like getting a guidance counselor who doesn't suck, like that. I and I know that that's hard, right? Like we had one that was terrible. He sucked really? and he just wasn't helpful, you know. And everyone went to another teacher and said, like, there was a teacher that you just you went to when shit got real. Mm-hmm. Um, and that put a crazy burden on that teacher because she's trying to work her full time job, but she's basically also right. the guidance counselor. Um, and so I know that it's hard. But here's the thing. I I feel like when people get uptight about the word about like, you know, um, about like trigger warnings or about safe spaces, they're like, oh, that's And by stupid. people, especially even our world, like with comedians. I mean, yeah. we love to get it's mad. It's true. Right? Yeah. yeah. And I and I do. I should acknowledge that like my social media, like my Facebook page is not exemplary of the world. And I realize that every time I, I see my husband's page, I'm like, oh, my God, everyone's so nice and uh, happy. <laughs> You're posting pictures of puppies and rainbows. And then and mine yours, is just like, like angry guys just, just <laughs> fucking jacking it to their like anti-trigger. They're like, oh, that bitch said trigger warning. I'm going to masturbate to her face just like angrily. And I'm like, why? Why? You're not hurting her. I, if you want to masturbate to me angrily, go ahead. You go right ahead. Um like, you know, like, fuck that bitch. Oh, like, I don't need. Um, but but that said, I think the energy around like people get so worked up. They're like, oh, my God, like trigger warnings are dumb. Safe spaces are dumb. 
okay, sure. You want to waste your mental energy on that? Like, that's really what you want to address and fix. And like, like you said, part of the problem is that they're confusing like safe space, quote unquote, for like the problems that that people are getting raped at parties. But it's like, don't penalize progress, even if it feels stupid. It's just it's the stupidness pro- can be so stupid. Like like Buck Angel, who I talked to, like he he's like the trans dude, mm-hmm. right? And when he goes to a college and he he's doing like a talk and he uses the word tranny, and then like trans kids will get mad at him later and like go complain to whoever hired him, and be like, he said tranny. I'm like, he's like the tranny. Yeah, like, shut yeah. up. You're he being gets dumb. to say that he is a tranny. But- That's fair, but also like <laughs> If it upsets them, it upsets them. Who cares? Like, it just, you set off this chain react. You know what I mean? The answer is always to be like, jobs eh. and who gets hired to the point that you just can only have a magician because that's the only guy who can entertain without like offending Totally. People. And uh, look, and <laughs> yes, but I think always the answer is going to be like, oh, hey, I'm really sorry if I upset you. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that that's so easy to do. And then you can just be done with it. And then you don't. And I'm again, bias i'm sending i'm saying this as someone who is in the middle of being like i don't want to send any more emails like there's so many emails <laughs> in the fucking world if you can do anything to prevent them from being sent you should but like you can just be like hey i'm really sorry i upset you and then you're done then you get to move on then you get to eat something or like have a nap oh or God, eat something that's and right? a nap you just said come on things. get out of here that's a delightful after instead of drafting emails and writing articles and being right and like i understand that maybe somebody else is is doing those they're writing the blog posts and they're drafting mm-hmm. the articles and they're not having a nice afternoon but you getting upset in response to that always f- feels silly to me right like if those students complain you'd be like hey i'm sorry i'm sorry that i hurt you um and i i hope that you have a great afternoon because mm-hmm. i am gonna go do that because we came to a great like you know what i mean and like like if 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 a college creating a safe space is actively like getting in the way of their making it safe for women to go to parties um then yeah that's dumb and redirect that energy make it so that girls aren't getting raped when they go to frat parties re-educate the frats you know change like change the culture um absolutely i think that's so important but i think we get into this weird circle where we're like oh fuck that university for you know making that safe space it's like no fuck that university for not making more of a safe Mm. space and the answer to that is to propose concrete solutions right like See now, Bring, but yeah. So, yeah. The, so the focus. Let's make the focus more on actual concrete solutions versus yeah. like, hey, let's not hire that comedian who said that one word that I'm going to quote to you out of context. Right. So I think it's it's those people who complain who get. I guess uh, I'm not going to say comedians as a whole because like, well, clearly you're not. Uh, in no, that, I'm in not. That yeah. Camp, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, there should be. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but uh, like you know. Sure. Yeah. Concrete solutions. Like one of the things that I think should be a thing where it's like if you want to start a frat, you have to um, go through some kind of sensitivity training or hell, you have to listen to some female comedian talk about right. A good one. You know, not I'm not going to make you go to an open mic. (laughs) I'm not going to make frats. No, that's the the punishment when you have raped somebody. Right. You you have to sit through open mics. um, (laughs) No, but like. You know, I, I just I really feel like the answer is to to expose people to stories and experiences uh, that they are not familiar with and just open them. Right. Like. And so I think if you want to start a frat and you want to host a party or you want to do whatever, you should have to like, you know, every year they should have to like have a seminar on how not to rate people. I think that's the answer. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, 
obviously keep up the rape prevention efforts in terms of educating women on how to be safe and guard your drink and all that stuff. But like we've women have been trying to not get raped forever forever literally since since the cave yeah i don't know which came first the chicken or the egg when it comes to like chimps or you know neanderthals or whatever but the this like the second that our our neo camp our hippocampus expanded in our brain and we were like we're a person now you know one of us you know the 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 smaller female uh ones of us were like please stop that you know like we that was like the oldest profession is prostitution and the oldest phrase is like no. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, did you ha- did you feel safe and comfortable in high school when you were, you know, queer to uh, discovering that? Um, I don't think I knew because I did know that I liked gay porn. <laughs> okay. Um, not do, lesbian do you, porn. Do you I still like gay, gay porn? porn, and I but I I didn't really equate that with being queer. I, I yeah, my friend Jose is in the room and he's gay and he's like, "What? This bitch like gay porn in high school?" Yes, I did. I was very advanced. Did um, but do you, do you still like gay porn now? I do. Yeah, it's my favorite because you know that. Every orgasming and having a nice time you're just like look at that everyone's enjoying themselves i see the evidence of it on their faces, faces. or where, wherever you know a million different places um, my, my girlfriend came over last night and she she says she needed to come over late because she was like super horny i'm like well got you so horny she's like i was just watching like a lot of gay porn the last two days i'm like really amped up i'm like okay and it's also like they're very communicative. Yeah. Cuz like I this is uh, this is a pet peeve. I really like when people announce when they when they're honest about whether or not they're going to come, both in person and in porn. I want to mm-hmm. I want a timeline. I want to know that it's happening, you know, and that never yeah. Do you like to do you like that because you want to be able to time yourself with what is going to happen? Mm, sort of, yeah. It's yeah. Like I'm going to come. Okay, well, I got to get Okay, well, give me get, like let me yeah. pause. Like how yeah. Um <laughs> yes. Uh I am in my office. I'm a professional working lady. I'm talking about this. Now, you know what? It's important. Um, Gay porn is awesome. I stand by that. Um, No, you know they're having a good time. Also, like a lot of times there's just like the amateur stuff has better production value. Um, It's just better. I I like amateur stuff at this point. I don't even like fake amateur amateur. I like just self-submitted shots on Reddit. Mm Mm-hmm. And where, I, <laughs> you know, like that's where I can go to the exact niche subreddit that I want mm. in that moment. Yeah. I used to be a Tumblr guy. Then I became, when I found Reddit, I was like, oh, this is way better for yeah. porn. Reddit gets a lot of shit, but like you can find <sighs> the most specific stuff. Like I don't, and also like it's, <laughs> you can find yourself down these wormholes. Like I don't know how the <laughs> hell I got there, but I was in like a, um, I was like, it started with gay and then it went to like morphs somebody was like british and i was like i like british guys let's check that and then i was like there and then it was like fainting that's a whole thing and i I didn't know that that was a fetish Uh, and so because at some point like you're done and but you're still (laughs) curious you know um which i think is a sign of a healthy sexuality if you can stay looking at whatever you were watching before you know where you're like nope i stand by it (laughs) post orgasm still but i yeah and i and then i was just curious and i was just like what else and there's like fever porn porn for people that have fevers i went down a wormhole and it was fascinating and it and also like in all of these subreddits, there's lots of like discussions about like where this comes from. Like, why do I love? Like, where does it, you know, why do you think I feel this way? And then there's always a lot of like real well thought out answers. Yeah. They're like not safe for work subreddits that aren't porn, but they're like discussion based. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, there's r slash incest porn, but yeah. there's also r slash incest, which is just discussion. You just, you yeah. just talk about it. Yeah. It's interesting because like I. You ask questions. Yeah, like I've I don't understand the incest porn thing and maybe I don't know what like I don't 
I guess it's just that it's like so, so naughty. But I do. And I also understand, like, I think incest porn is interesting because I think it's one of those things where it's like it really is like an online porn thing only, you know, and I like I have those things that I like to watch, but I would never want in real life. Like, I don't know. I've seen uh, I've seen a few posts of like brother sisters or or things of that nature Mm. where it was a real thing and they were either talking about the real meetup. Oh, no, no, it's a real thing in the porn. But I mean, for people watching it, it's like, oh, I I want to write the people watching it don't actually want it. Yeah. Okay. I don't think right. And even if you watch like does that mean people who do do incest in real life don't watch incest I bet they porn? Don't. I would because bet like, that they don't. Yeah, or maybe do they it. do. I don't I've know. I've reached the high taboo. Right, what? but like your sister is a very different thing than like than like somebody else having sex with their sister or a sister having sex with her brother. I you know that. what I mean? It's a different yeah, it's a it, I get I don't get it because it doesn't do anything for me, but I I do like it's. I, I read somewhere where I was. It was like all the states where like they were super into incest porn and like where. And I was like, yeah, but like I, I would not. I don't. I mean, I would judge an individual if I saw that that was like all that they ever watched. But I would be open to their explanation. I guess that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like I, I, I would have a moment of like ah, and then I'd be like, wait, nope. Explain yourself. <laughs> the, the click holes. The click holes get intense. The I don't know how it is for you or for women, but I know yeah. a lot of men have shared this the same sentiment mm-hmm. with me that in that moment where you're just in a head rush, you know, you're click, 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 beat, 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 and then you come and you're like, how am I at, like self-sucking food and Ari porn? You don't know yeah, how you got you, there, yeah. but you're there. Yeah. Well, especially yeah, if you just are like, wait, why? Wait, what? I want to know. Like, what? Oh, God. I also, I love like reading the comments. They make me laugh so much. I love, I love the comments on Pornhub. Like I, sometimes if I need inspiration for jokes, I will just go look at them. I'm not even like <laughs> a, a horny or anything. I just want to like see what people say. It's just like a fun study in, in human psychology is like, you enjoyed something so much. Do you, do you, like, the... I'll log in and make a comment. <laughs> do you and the hubby, uh, share similar porn habits or tastes? Um, no, I don't know. Actually, we used to talk more about it than we than we do now. You know, when you get how long have y'all been married? We've been married for three and a half years, um, four in July. And uh, we um, but we've known each other. I met him when I was 11. Um, I know. It's, okay. we, yeah, we we didn't get together until obviously much much later. All right. Um, when I was or, or older, as, or as Mike Cannon says, like, uh, no, no, we broke up and stuff, so I still have HPV. But you know, we- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, no, it is. It's it's we we broke up. Uh, we we did start dating when I was in high school, but then we broke up. We got together for real, actually, after I was on the show. Um, so, uh, but even that, I mean, that was a long time ago. We we've been together for nine years. Mm-hmm. Um. And when you've been together that long, if you're still attracted to each other, which luckily we are, you you get so good at making the doing what the other person likes. Like it's just like you don't have to go fast, but you always can. It's always an option. You know, mm. like a quickie is just always an option. And and so like like at, you know, at a certain point, you kind of have to make an effort to be like, well, no, let's let's explore, let's talk about things. Like you, have, and we haven't done that for a while, so I don't even know what he watches anymore. I mean, it's like, what else is there to talk about at some point? Yeah, but like, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know if he knows that I like gay porn. We just haven't hmm. talked about it. Um, no, I think he does. <laughs> I think he does that. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, yeah, it's a uh, you know, I I have no idea what he. Watches. So married life is kind of like all you know, because you're, I think, what, 29, 30? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So that's kind of like all you know for your adult life, basically being with this guy. Being with him, not being, being with, married. I mean, we general, got married three years ago. Yeah, um, but, I was but yeah, but yeah, but if you're with somebody for like three, you know, for like four years, yeah. you might as well be married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, wait, is that true? Was that the last time we broke up? It was like nine years ago. I don't know. We sure. broke up a bunch. It was our thing. Um, <laughs> we tried to be real low Some people drama have a about song. It. We have a thing. We yeah, break where up. we no, we would always try to be really. It was like like we did break up, but it wasn't like we weren't like on and off. It was always like a mutual decision where we're like we're gonna. It was almost always like we were pretty calculated. We were like we're gonna take a break because mm-hmm. we want to go have sex with other people. Um, but we always kind of had an eye that it was like, like this might be the, you know, um, not always, but like at a certain point we were like, yeah, I love the shit out of you. Like you're the one, mm. but I want to, um, love the shit out love, of you. Love the shit out of you. Um, when, so, when did yeah. you know that you, uh, loved him? Oh my God. This is such a sappy, stupid story, but all I'm, right. I'm in a sappy mood. All the, the <laughs> gay porn talk aside, like I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in a place with um, like my girlfriend where I'm just like exploring. I'm like, I, no, I'm just like, I'm, I want to know more about like, you know, look, there's been enough threesome and orgy talk on this show. I'm like, let's yeah. talk about some love. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, I'm about it. <laughs> um, no, we, uh, I knew that I, it's funny. He said, I love you first. And I, I actually didn't even say it back right away. I okay. waited, but I had known for a long time that I loved him. And it, I was really young. I was like, um, I think I was like 17. Um, and, uh, we had just kind of been fooling around. We hadn't really been dating. We were just like friends with benefits, but, um, but he like came back, he was in college and he came back to visit and he came to my play and my, uh, my grandfather, my step grandfather had Alzheimer's. Um, but he faked it for years. He, he, no one really knew except for like us, mm. you know, like because he was so good at faking it. He would he called everybody buddy and pal and he was just so friendly. And you got to um, lay groundwork for that because you have to be doing that already for years. Oh, and he had. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, he also he'd been a professor. So he was it was always one of those things like when you're a professor, you see like and he was a professor at a really big school. So he had like thousands of students, you know, so he had been doing pal for a long time because like you can't remember every single. Sure, student. Sure, sure. So he but he would always be like, you know, um, so he yeah. And uh, and but also, you know, as a result, he was like very smart and very um, like, uh, yeah, he had one of those like soothing like movie professor voices you know what i mean like he was very he was just like you know with the tweed elbow jack like he was really like when you picture a professor at a private high school in new england this he really was you know wire rim glasses and everything um so he said he said i love you you didn't say it back right away yeah but but this had happened months before before he said i love you this had happened this was months before so he had alzheimer's nobody knew um i don't even think Ian knew at the time. Ian's my husband. And um, and all of a sudden, he couldn't fake it anymore. And he just became this helpless old man. And it was very hard for all of us. And we were all just like, oh, my God, Larry isn't – he was still he was still Larry. He was Larry all the way to the end. But he, he went downhill all of a sudden very quickly, which I've heard is kind of common with Alzheimer's. Like there's a sort of long period of like, are they, aren't they? And then um, – he just couldn't fake it anymore, and he was this helpless old man all of a sudden. And we were at the play. We were at my play, my high school play, and um, and he was just so overwhelmed because it was a public thing, and he was he was just really really anxious. 
And, you know, my stepdad couldn't really reassure him and his wife couldn't re- really reassure him. And they were we were really afraid that we maybe they wouldn't be able to go. They would have to take him home because he was just really freaked out. And he looked at Ian and he said, am I supposed to know you? And Ian said, I hope not, because I don't know you, man. And then he said, <laughs> I'm Ian. And and Larry said, I'm Larry. And Ian said, hey, do you think we could just go in and, and see this together? Because I don't know anyone, and I'm really nervous. And Ian Larry, said that? Ian said that to Larry. And Larry was uh, like- How old is he doing this? He's 19, I think, at the time. Wow. Yeah, eight, 18 or 19. Wow. Yeah, and he was like, I'm really nervous. Do you think we could go in and see this together? And Larry was like, yeah, 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 yeah. We could. And they like, and Ian like grabbed his hand and they walked in together. And I had like, my ovaries just fucking exploded. Oh I was my, just like, my ovaries Stop. are exploding. Yeah. And it was oh my, really sweet. Up. Oh, That's it a was a beautiful story. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck, I think I'm in love with this guy. And I'm, and I was like, I'm too young. I never wanted to get married. And I was just like, I hate this. Like, I hate these feelings. So when he said, I love you, I was like, whatever, Pff, farts. Um, but on the inside, I was like, no like feelings you know like I caught feelings um yeah and it was really really sweet um and they sat together the whole play and like I think it was a Shakespeare play and um yeah and it was just it was real fucking heartwarming um and I've always like I've always remembered that that was a moment where I was like yeah you're all right (laughs) (laughs) you're not the worst um yeah but uh no, I mean it's it, it's weird. Yeah, I never wanted to get. I always thought I would I would not get married or have kids or anything. And now I'm like, yeah, this is it. You know, married life. Um, we've been open a couple times in the past, uh, and um, we sort of. It's one of those things. Like honestly, we would be open, but we work all the time. <laughs> so like, who's got, who's got time to fuck I all these strangers? Legitimately, don't know how people do it. Like I, we, I would love to, but like. If you, how do you have a job and a marriage and then so, have sex with other people? This, this is apparently how you have to do it. Is uh, okay. So my girlfriend's like much in like that poly world. And mm-hmm. I mean like all of her friends, that's all they do is like just date each other and do mm-hmm. this stuff. And they're all like lawyers, like like yeah. time consuming jobs. And then I realized is what it is, is that they don't have hobbies. Like like sex is their hobby. Mm-hmm. Like that's all it is. Like they'll, yeah. they do their jobs. They go on dates during the week. They go to orgies on the weekend. That's it. Yeah, that's all there is. Yeah. And if they do something that's hobbyish, like they go hiking or something, they take all their poly friends too, right. and they turn so that it everything can... turns into an orgy. That's smart. And that's the only way they seem to be able to do it. Yeah, that I, t- makes I tell sense. Paige all the time, like you need a hobby, right? Because she'll be like, "Oh, I have nothing to do." I was like, "That's." Because sex is your hobby and you don't do anything else. You need to go join a knitting circle, anything. Or have, just, yeah, a knitting circle and then have sex with them? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's kind of like you hear about the, all these people who have like, well, I've got all these partners and then I have some people who I fuck around outside and then we do. I'm like, where's the time? Yeah. And well, also like, what are we supposed to do? Because like, I don't think of comedy as a hobby, but that is no, the, that, the time space that it yeah. takes up in terms of like just evenings, basically. Yeah. Um, Evenings and weekends, uh, although I'm very lucky because I do get to, you know, try and be funny for my day job. So mm-hmm. I'm very lucky in that. But like, you know, um, it's yeah. Like, am I supposed to bring a date to a show or something or an open mic or like, how do you huh. what, how, what, I can't do that. That sounds terrible. Um, I barely let Ian come to shows. That's not true. I let so do you all go through like uh, negotiated windows of of like non-monogamy or you kind of always are kind of that, but you, uh, the time is a factor or what? Um, It's been a long time only, but only because like we've, we have a lot of conversations about it 
And it's weird because sometimes that feels it feels dumb. Like it's like, what's the point of being open if you're not actually acting on it? But then I'm like, no, it's good because like a scenario is going to arise where one of us is probably going to have sex with somebody else and having so much open discourse about it and really talking about how we are okay with it and what we wouldn't be okay, you know, really like setting boundaries and being ready, I think is good. Like we talk a lot about um, because we have we also have different different viewpoints on it he's a more jealous person than i am um although this is weird i have a little bit of stand-up about it i am not very jealous about him because we've been together for so long and because like um i don't know we just talk like when you i take it for granted a little bit and i know this i'm aware of it and i work on it and i don't want to take him for granted at all but when you've been together with someone for a long time it's hard not to just be like yeah of course i'll be there of course they love me um if like one of my friends gets another friend, I'm like, who is that bitch? Like, what? <laughs> I'm a very jealous friend. It's very, it's very <laughs> weird. But romantically, I'm not. I've never yeah. been jealous at all. Um, even like when we were breaking up, and I would date other people. Like I dated someone who was like much more attractive than I was, and I was like, I would feel self conscious when we would go out because I was like, everyone's thinking that like he's settling. But I, I just wasn't. I wasn't jealous when he like talked to other women. So it's just a weird, I, I just personally don't get romantically very jealous. Um, he was also dumb as dirt. So that could have been it. But it seems <laughs> I have the communication down and that's, and that's always the key. Yeah. When people yeah. are like always like, how do you do it? I was like, I don't need to fucking talk to each other. Yeah. I know that sounds terrifying. Talk to your spouse about something. Yeah. But fuck, that's what you got to yeah. do. Well, and also you really have to like, you know, I think it's important to talk beforehand, but I also think it's important to know that like, talking is different than action and when mm. shit goes down like when somebody is actually out on a date while you're at home it thing things are going to feel different than you thought maybe they would there are going to be things that arise um and being okay and ready for that right like you know um like it's really easy to like okay for example ian and i had talked a lot about being open and we were really like okay this is how we are like we both of us don't have a lot of time to do it and we don't have a lot of like energy or desire to do it. But like if a situation rose up, this would be how it would go down. Okay. That's easy. He met someone at a party and, um, and nothing happened, but like he just thought she was really, really beautiful and like had an amazing experience with her. Like they, you know, danced or something and it did feel different than I thought it would. And I was like, I, it was almost worse that like nothing had happened because he had this like yearning yeah. thing. And I was like, I'm really nervous that you are like wishing. You almost kind of want him to go fuck it just yeah, to get it out to, of the like, way. Yeah, to like get it out of the way. Right. And because it didn't, and he had, he was like, no, it's just very like mystical and magical. And I was like, honestly, I never thought, I just hadn't really thought that you would have these like meaningful experiences, but that's who you are. You don't really, he's not a casual person. He doesn't, mm. he goes hard when he, you know, when he goes in. And I was like, you know, it, that just hadn't occurred to me. And so that was a good thing to like, you know, go through and like be like, okay, this is how I actually feel. This is how you, you know, this is, this is what comes up. So yeah, I think, you know, talking about it for sure. And also just, you know, being patient with yourself, letting things come up, being okay with them. Emotions are okay. They're impermanent. Mm -hmm. They're not facts. Mm -hmm. They will pass. Um, yeah. Feelings are not facts. Hashtag feelings are not facts. <laughs> Uh, is, is the openness uh, to help like because you're also into women right mm -hmm. so is that was that originally one of the the first reasons why y'all decided to ever be open or no but when you guys nice. got married did part yeah. of you go like yeah no I'm willing to give that up for yeah. an unknown period of time yeah um, 
Yeah. I, yeah, it's interesting because people talk about how like, you know, some people are, I guess, open with the other where it's like, you know, the women can go fool around with women and the men can go fool around with men. And I guess I I guess I get that. But I feel like I don't I I I don't know. I have I do have types like I have a type of woman that I'm attracted to and a type of man that I'm attracted. But it's so specific. Like you can put all of the factors of my type together and I might not be attracted to a person. You know what I mean? Like there are like, I'm attracted to guys that look like Jesus. There's a lot of Jesus looking <laughs> dudes who are objectively attractive who for whatever reason, just don't do it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm attracted to like really masculine look. Well, I'm, I'm attracted to really masculine looking women. And then also like androgynous, but like delicate looking, like if you look like a beautiful boy, mm-hmm. Or a beautiful girl, and you have the like the shaved head, like the, the half shaved, the half shaved. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> I die, I lose it. Um, and it's weird because they're, yeah. Um, I used to like women who were like bigger than me, and now I, I'm like finding that like these little. I'm like, I just want to pick you up. Um, I just want to pick you up and smash you. Um, but uh, yeah, it's so individual for me that I was always like, I don't know how you can just be like, well, one gender is okay, and also like, what about the in between, and like, what yeah. if. You know, like if you have a rule that you can only sleep with women, do you, what if you meet someone who identifies as they, mm-hmm. but is biologically born or intersex? Or like, what right. do you, do you have to, you got to flesh mm. all that out? And nah, that just sounds like a lot of work. Just yeah. like open or close, you know, <laughs> shut the door or not. I don't know. Absolutely. But if that works for you, then cool. Um, don't do the alphabet. I'm sick of this myth of doing the alphabet when you're eating a woman out. Don't do that. <laughs> Wait, is that, I, 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 you know, where you make the alphabet with your tongue? I don't do that. Don't do that. Why do people do that? I don't know. I can. F- Who made I, that up? It's a thing. That sounds I guess. like a high school. tip. I think that it is a high school tip, but I hear it in in. I hear comedians say it, and I just want to be like, it's important to me that you're not really doing that because when you're doing that, she's going to be like, wait, is he on J right now? What's huh. happening? Like, just, I don't know. <laughs> plus, I'm sick of people treating clitoris as like a Rubik's cube. Ru- what, what do you mean? Okay, I hear a lot of guys being like, you know, oh, I'm really. It, a couple things there will be like oh i'm embarrassed because i came too soon no one cares no one ever cares just don't let that be the end of the party if you're like oh well the the orgasm that matters happened i guess we're all done no just you keep it going it's fine yeah number two people are like oh i can't figure out how to make this woman come or women come Mm -hmm. or you know a specific person it was very hard she's not a rubik's cube a mute with a Rubik's cube in her yeah. crotch, like she's a human being who can be like, "This is what I enjoy." Like, just ask this. This her. goes back to the communication thing. No, Communi- I don't t- under- talking like, to your significant other is terrifying. Apparently, yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like it's not a flashlight. It's a yeah. there's a person attached to that yeah. flashlight that can tell you this is what you should do. But on the other end of that, there's uh, they're the women who either don't know or too sheepish to say. True. And then they won't fucking give you. They're like, no, it's fine. You're doing okay. But like, don't give me that. Just yeah. Tell me what it is. Yeah. And if that's the case, but if they don't want to and give they're not me the answer. Then, give me the answer. Yeah. But then, you know, that's fine. Then they don't get an <laughs> orgasm or they do and they have to give it themselves. You what, know what, what I, mean? I find like, is that if I can't figure it out, orgasm. if I can't figure it out easily and she won't easily tell me, I'm like, we probably just shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. This is probably not a good match. And maybe, you know, they'll go and have a nice experience and discover themselves and everything will open up and everything will be magic. But if not, then they didn't have an orgasm with you. And that's okay. That's, you know, it's it's very easy to have a very pleasant time with a guy and not come. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that a lot of like that's a thing that is hard for guys to understand. And I totally get that. But. Like, we just don't have all the pressure wrapped up in it. You know it's what like I mean? a paradigm shift, at least for me, like as a dude, when I realized that, 
it was a paradigm shift because I was like the entire experience changed. Yeah. Where, when you take the orgasm off the, not off the table, like we're not going to try to ever get that. But when you stop making that the goal and just like having a good time and having fun. Yeah. And that's the goal. I was like, oh, this is so many possibilities opened up. Things we can do. Uh, we don't always have to do this. We can just do We can just lay back and just touch each other. Like yeah. who gives a fuck? Well, and it's really the silver lining laugh. to the whole like the male orgasm is the yeah. one that matters, right? Like that's a crap sandwich. But the silver lining of that is that like women are raised not to feel pressure we don't feel pressure we can just have mm-hmm. a nice time yeah and that's why like you know when when women are with women a lot of times it's you kind of have to adjust if you've only been with men to be like oh this is like a fluid situation this isn't like a we will be doing this for 10 minutes and then we're done it's it's like a, we do it and then we're not and the flu- it's much more yeah it's about every yeah. g- individual sort of moment and thing um it's like, yeah, it doesn't just end or, you know. You know. Sarah will be putting on uh, sex ed clinics for male comedians uh, every Saturday <laughs> afternoon. God. So <laughs> I actually did a really long bit once. I was at a mic and I just realized I was like, no one's laughing. This is not I'm not going to it's not a good place to try out my new stuff. And it was all guys. And I was and this one guy had just been talking about how he was like, I want to get my girlfriend to do anal. I want to get her to do it. And I was like, um, OK, that's a terrible, it's a terrible way to look at it. But. Here's how you can you got a girl to do anal. Oh, and then what oh. was your suggestion? Well, uh it it's multiple fold. Um number a big part of it is like guys really have to accept that <laughs> it doesn't feel the same for women as it does for them. Mm-hmm. And like you have to come to terms with that. And and coming to terms with that means coming to terms that it kind of feels good to have something in your butt. And I know that's really hard for some guys to deal with. And I know that that's a whole thing. But you got to go through that before you can stick it in somebody's butt who's not going to feel that way. You have to like be like, this is how it feels for me. And that's okay. In order to be like, it doesn't feel like that for you. Mm. And that's also okay. And like the metaphor that I used, I was like, you know how if you take your hand and you jack off a penis in front of a woman, it doesn't do anything because you're not touching her because we have different freaking bodies. Yeah. Um, like if you do this, nothing happens because women. Yeah. Right. Um, so. You have like you just have to accept that, and it's very hard. And I I get that. And it's a whole thing. Masculinity is is weird and fragile and confusing. Once you do that, I mean, I I went on a real long rant. I could keep going. It's like a whole thing. But uh, like there are people right now expecting that they're, they're still waiting for the they're writing all this down. They're like, okay, okay, we, accept so that. Do, I, do uh, that. What's next? How do I get it in her butt? How do I get it? So when do we you, get the part? When do we get to the part where I put it? Where in I her put butt? it in her where, butt? Yeah. It's so once you do that, you uh, so you accept that you accept that it feels different for her. You have to learn how what does feel good for her. So you do the things that I said. Stop doing the alphabet. Talk to her. Go back and forth. Like if you if she's not willing to talk to you about what makes her feel good, then you shouldn't. You're not able to communicate enough to do anal. So you got to do that. Um, that might that's a blanket rule that might not be true. But like, and so that went that, over that went over well at the open mic. <laughs> She did. <laughs> Whenever I yell at people to stop doing the alphabet, that they tend to laugh at that because that right. rings really true. They're like, "Oh my god, yeah." Um, I was like, "Stop doing the alphabet. Just talk. Just talk to her about what feels good." And you bring in vibrators. People think that porn is the big into kinky sex, and it's not. It's a vibrator. Mm-hmm. It'll feel great for both of you. Mm-hmm. You can have fun. Then you can play with your bits. You can play with your butt. It might feel amazing. And then start with that. Go back and forth. You start with back and forth. Right. Back and forth with the vibrator, with your mouth, with whatever, with the just back and forth. But people get weird. uh, Guys get weird about it, and they're like, "I don't want the assistance." When you when your car breaks down, 
and you need to like change the tire, like you do use the jack. You don't go like, no, I'm a real man. I'm gonna lift this car up with my bare hands to change this. Like, also, no. like it feels great for both of you. Oh, so it's so much fun. It's so much fun. And you can also take turns. You can, uh, I, you, hey, you people have heard me talk about that frenulum orgasm. You can use the same vibrator on yourself. Feels amazing. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Then that's when you start to work towards anal, and you, and like if you can give her, like if she can pl- like do something to deal with her front situation then you can that's when you start to work on the back do you see what i'm saying where she's yeah. bent over and she's no, like no, yeah, yeah, no, she's got, yeah. The, yeah um she almost forgets that you're doing that or it's yeah or whatever yeah. i don't know i don't know how Whatever's maybe it'll it. feel great maybe she'll love it you know who knows yeah. Yeah, all women are different um all all bodies are different um except for twins who are freaks of nature um <laughs> you know so uh, I, I feel mildly self-conscious that, like, when I walked in here, there were children outside, and now we're talking yes. about anal. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I hopefully they can't hear us. Get you fired? No, it'll be fine. Okay. Um, well. <laughs> it's soundproof. I hope we still are wondering. We're in a we're in my, the studio at my office, and I we're I'm terrified that the sound like vents into somewhere weird because we talk like we're some you know, boardroom. Yeah, and it's like the four. You know, there's there's a bunch of us in here, and we just talk. We we we're not like Bullshit. we're yeah. not yeah, or or we'll like you know complain about some person and that person's great and we love them but like whatever we just want to talk shit and but i'm just like terrified that it does like yeah it's not some boardroom or some or, or gosh, doctor's office or some guy the room where some guy is getting fired yeah from a job he's been at for like 19 years I know, and he's just like short of pension and yeah. then they have to hear about you yeah so is that with jim's la- uh james last night and mm-hmm. he just totally tried to stick it in my ass yeah and, or whatever oh man ruining his day twice mm-hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, Sarah, thanks so much for doing the podcast. Very uh, much appreciated. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, people can find me all over the interwebs. You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Hartshorn, S-A-R-A-H-H-A-R-T-S-H-O-R-N-E. Um, you can also find me on officialsbh.com. That's official. And then my initials, it's S as in Sarah, B as in Banks. H is in heartsorn.com. And then also check out um, projectyouareok.org, which is the nonprofit that I run. Um, <laughs> it's uh, for teens and children. So I'm real glad that I've been talking about butt sex. Um, but no, check us out. We uh, we do great work. There's also Straight Curve, which is a documentary that I'm working on. And uh, yeah, follow me, like me. I'm nice. Say um, hello. Do all yeah, the things. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I tweet a lot about cats, carbs, and Trump. So. <laughs> You know, it's real fun. Fantastic thing, mm-hmm. Sarah. Thanks so much. Uh, say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye. Oh, she is so funny. I had such a great time talking to Sarah, and I really hope you enjoyed this week's show. Uh, all of her plugs will be in the show notes, including Straight Curve Film and ProjectUrock.com. Uh, you can find her on the interwebs at Sarah Hartshorn, S-A-R-A-H-H-A-R-T-S-H-O-R-N-E. But of course, you can like me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at TheBillyProceda. Uh, and say hi to both of us. Use the hashtag ManWhorePodcast. Let us know what you thought about the episode. Uh, go to ManWhorePod.com for all your ManWhore podcast needs. I just want to remind my California voters, vote no on Prop 60. The porn industry is doing just fine Condoms are not the problem over there. Porn performers have lower STD rates than general population, so maybe we need mandatory condom laws for people. How's that? Do you want that? No? Okay, then vote no on Prop 60, okay? You heard Susie Q. And again, go check out Susie Q. She's got a great podcast. It's called The Whorecast. It's about uh, her as a sex worker. She talks to other sex workers about sex work and fun stuff. You all really, really like it. 
And again, people, uh, become an official fan whore. Pledge your support. Uh, go to manwhorepod.com. Click the Patreon banner on the side. Uh, I look forward to talking to you all next week. I've got London's leading sex educator, Tracy Cox, is on the podcast. Yeah, I recorded that when I was, when I was out in London. It's going to be a real good time, hopefully a little less ranting, uh, but we'll find out then, huh? won't we? Yeah. Uh, so until then, uh, you know, why don't y'all go stay slutty? <laughs>